welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Well, hi, ladies, and welcome back to the show. Today, I want to talk about Femtech. And I want to talk about the pros and the cons because this is something that I have been thinking about for a really long time and definitely been approached by a lot of different femtech companies to either do consulting for them or to work for them. And I've really been wrangling with, do I like them or do I not? And I have a lot to say on both sides. I'm also going to go over my favorite femtech and I'm going to tell you why I've titled this podcast, the last one, kind of. But for that, I have to let you wait until we get to the end because it really makes for a better ending than it does beginning. I also wanted to let you guys know a little bit about what has been going on with my life because I know I don't talk about it too much and that's really because I want this show to be about you and I want this show to be about educating women in midlife and menopause and really not the Heather Hirsch show. But I guess technically it is my show and I've been giving you little tidbits behind the scenes about what's been going on. And one of the things I really like about doing my podcast as opposed to my YouTube or Instagram is I can be a little bit more personal here and really sit down with you guys and tell you a little bit about what's been going on. So you know that I delivered my third child early. In fact, my little guy, his name is Brody James Hirsch, was born on March 25th at 30 weeks and one day. And believe it or not, I was in clinic seeing patients all day having contractions. And you would think, being that this was my third kid, I would know that I was in labor, but trust me, I did not. And needless to say, by the time I got to the hospital, labor was coming whether I wanted it to or not. It was extremely scary. I felt very vulnerable. And for me, taking a break from the things in my life that are really scary and really unknown to sit down and record a podcast or maybe even film a YouTube video actually really helped me not spiral out of control, which is why you probably saw me create content and not really talk about it too much. So Brody spent about 11 or 12 weeks in the NICU and is now home with me. And I'm so excited. I couldn't be happier to have my little guy back. Now I am definitely doing some therapy because I really do need to work through the trauma of an early delivery and the trauma of being in the NICU for 12 weeks and how that made me feel really vulnerable and really scared. And so all of that stuff's going on and I'm delighted to have a strong support system and and to be able to say that I know that that is what I need and that's what I'm going to be working on and working through. My first two deliveries were wonderful and I loved that experience. And while Brody's was also wonderful, it was just a surprise. And that's something that I still am going to work through. So today's episode, guys, switching gears a little bit, and I'll, I'll keep talking about Brody as we go on and tell you how he's doing. Um, but switching gears, I wanted to talk about femtech today. So what is femtech? Well, femtech really compromises all of the new either apps, online consulting or membership sites or products that we're seeing in the women's health field. And I'm really specifically talking about midlife women's health, but there certainly are apps and products for women in 
earlier reproductive years, whether it's even just something simple like tracking your periods so you can get pregnant better or, you know, tracking your periods in general if, if, if it's for something like polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is also known as PCOS. But I've seen a boom in apps and online consulting and products for women in midlife health. We're talking perimenopause and menopause. And I want to let you know my thoughts about those. I sat down as I usually do before I record a podcast and just take some little notes on one piece of paper. And the pros list is kind of short and the cons list is kind of long. (laughs) So without further ado, let's get right into the things that I think are good about femtech. Okay, well, obviously this means that people are recognizing that there is a void, that there is a need for products for women's health in midlife, whether that is sexual health or irregular periods in perimenopause and those strange symptoms that creep up in perimenopause and into menopause or the symptoms that you're experiencing postmenopausally, people are noticing, aha, there is a need here. There is a void that we have not filled. And people need these products. People need this help. People need this support. And so let's build this infrastructure to do so. So on the pros list is, yeah, people are noticing that women need help in midlife and at menopause. Now, certainly, you know, I think that's completely obvious, but even for myself, it took me into my fellowship training where I really recognized the need for more care and support and doctors in midlife women's health. I went through, you know, women's health studies in college and a year of OBGYN and three years of internal medicine. And it took me until 2014. That's when I was in my fellowship, 2014 to 2016 to really realize, oh my gosh, there's a gap in care after we have our children, if we choose, or if we do have children, right? Not everybody does. So they're recognizing that there is a huge need, which I I'm there for. The other thing that I feel as though they're helping is they're they're sort of helping with community. Community is really, really important. And the OG of community is Facebook groups. Now, ooh, do I have, I could do a whole podcast on Facebook groups on menopause and perimenopause. And it's it's an interesting land. It is literally no man's land. And I'm in these Facebook groups primarily because I kind of want to see as if I'm just, you know, not a menopause doctor, but just a woman in a Facebook group. What are people asking? What are other people telling other people? And occasionally I'll jump in and, you know, try and help and support. But again, what I've noticed is there's something called the girlfriend effect that I have just labeled. The girlfriend effect is that what your girlfriend says is, is, is always right and definitely, you know, definitely more accurate than what your doctor says. It's just the girlfriend effect. We all experience it. I experience it. And that's a lot of what I see in Facebook groups is is that people give each other not always the right information, sometimes blatantly wrong information, but and that can really spiral out of control. So what I think these femtech groups are going to do that is really nice is provide community and support, but hopefully have like a moderator or a mediator, or a clinician, ideally, 
And we'll get into that on the con side, who is sort of helping to moderate the conversation and making sure that it stays friendly, that it stays safe, and that it stays evidence-based. And evidence-based means that the, 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 the ideas that we're giving people, the answers to their questions are based in scientific research. And so hopefully the femtech, you know, either if it's an app or if it's a website is providing a safe sense of community, which also I'm there for. And, you know, lastly, ideally, and hopefully, these are helpful. You know, they they fill a need and they serve community, but they should help you in some way. They shouldn't definitely harm you, but perhaps they're helping you either track your symptoms or there's some educational tidbits in there, or they're providing support groups. They're helping link you up with qualified doctors. And I mean that with a lot of, you know, meaning and thoughtfulness, qualified doctors. And so hopefully they're providing help. They're filling the void with something that is helpful. All right. Now I got a lot of things to say on the con side and I wish this wasn't the case, but you know, as somebody who is in an, an expert in menopause and midlife women's health, I just don't want women being thrown more crap. That's just crap. I don't want them being thrown more things. You know, a lot of people come to me and consult with me or I've been on lots of meetings about marketing to women in midlife. And I feel like this is a very sensitive topic or maybe I am very sensitive to it because women are so marketed to, they're over-marketed to. And people will say, oh gosh, midlife and menopause is such an open area. But it, it is and it isn't because it's a very crowded market with stuff that's not always accurate, not always true. And so it is actually a very crowded market. But but again, women are so marketed to, and I'm kind of over it. I'm kind of sick of it because when you're being marketed to, of course, the end results like most things, is to make money off a of profit. And whether it's an app with a paid subscription or a membership site that's paid, you know, or whatever, not that making money is wrong. It's not. And you have money to spend, most likely, and you want to spend it to get help, but you want to spend it to the companies that are doing the best things for you. That That's the underlying thing. That's the way it should work. But I just feel as though women are very vulnerable in midlife and menopause. And when given the opportunity that something is promising them this perfect, amazing result, or something that sounds way too, uh, you know, just doesn't, it doesn't sound realistic, you know, lose 50 pounds in, in eight days, or, you know, I'm, I'm being a little facetious here, but something that sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. And I really don't like false advertising or preying on the vulnerabilities or insecurities of my community. <laughs> and I have to say, I'm, I'm a little worried that Femtech could be doing this. And so while there are tons and tons of things, there's actually so many different online programs and apps nowadays, I, I don't even know them all. But I really want you as you're going through, you know, and picking and choosing an app or a membership site or a product to really ask yourself, does this feel like it's realistic? Do these outcomes seem true? Is this too good to be true? Is this too expensive? You know, because if it is, I don't want you to be involved. And I'm, I'm a little overprotective, clearly here. <laughs> because also on my list of cons is who is running 
these apps and these sites. Oftentimes, it's not a clinician. Sometimes the clinician is the face of it. Sometimes the clinician is the consultant. But a lot of times, the people who are starting these and thinking about the marketing are marketers. They're market research specialists. And they're doing their good job, right? Just based off what I've just said. They're noticing a need and they're filling that void. But what is their end result? What is their mission? What is their passion? Sure, it definitely could be to help women in midlife. But the difference is they're really coming at it from a marketing perspective, not a clinician's perspective. And they could be getting a clinician to go on board, but is that clinician really an expert in menopause? Now, you know, yes and no. They could be an OBGYN who's delivered babies for many, many, many years and now doesn't want to deliver babies anymore. And so it's going into something that is a little bit more stable and, you know, you don't have to do menopause in the middle of the night. But do they have the depth and breadth of knowledge that someone who does menopause day in and day out has. Now, I can't answer that. I certainly don't want to say that I I think they don't. I just don't know. But if who is actually really behind it is not a clinician, it does make me a little nervous because it just goes back to my fears of women being taken advantage of in midlife and at menopause. Yeah. Now, because we don't necessarily always know who's running it, or if you do and it's not a clinician, the question then becomes quality control. So what is the quality control? What is being put out there? How accurate is it? How up-to-date is it? How in touch with what's real is it? You know, is it clickbait? It just leaves me with a lot of questions for you. And the quality control aspect is, really hard because how can we have excellent quality control if society as a whole still doesn't have a good consensus on menopause management? I mean, this whole podcast, you know, is on perimenopause and menopause management and mental health and symptoms and treatment options. And it's debatable. It's individualized. And so it's hard to generalize those things. But if society as a whole is still, you know, one aspect is saying, oh, take pellets. And I'm saying, don't take pellets. And I'm saying, use FDA approved hormone therapy, or, you know, there's also really great non-hormonal options, or here are tips for natural menopause. There is no consensus, even among arguably experts. You know, I always talk about my mentor, Dr. Thacker, and she taught me everything that I know about menopause. And we could see the same patient and arguably we'd, we'd probably have very similar ideas of how we would treat them. But who knows? We could actually pick very separate things. You know, there is no protocol like there is for diabetes. Okay, you have diabetes. We start you on metformin as first line. Okay, now we start you on this if your A1C is greater than that. Menopause is just an art. You know, the clinical aspect is an art. So the quality control about femtech is something that worries me a lot, especially in the realm of products. I certainly don't want you buying products that are not good quality, that are really, really expensive. And I certainly don't want you buying into any type of site that is, you know, I'm I'm not even sure. Maybe a warning sign is, you know, it's cut and dry. It's, this is good. This is bad. I just, you know, I worry about that. The other thing that is popping up a lot is online telemedicine, online consulting. And there's definitely, you know, some quality control issues there too, potentially not always. And again, 
I'm spitballing, right? I haven't sat down and studied every single site. I know that some are monitored and run by clinicians and physicians and NAMS doctors, some aren't. But, you know, it still certainly leaves me at night going to bed thinking like, is femtech good or is femtech bad? And, you know, certainly I think I have a lot on the pro side, but I have even a little bit more on the con side. So here's, I think my summary statement is, I do think that this evolution of femtech in midlife women's health has demonstrated to people that there is a need to, and there is gaps and voids in care in women's health and midlife, and that we need to fill them. Personally, I think we need to fill them by educating our young clinicians, whether it's doctors, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, you know, the whole nine, social workers, care work managers, etc. We need to educate so many people and we need to form some sort of evidence-based consensus And therefore, we'll have more of a pipeline protocol. You know, we might never have a pipeline protocol like we do for diabetes or hypertension, but just, you know, something just more solid. And then we won't have so many people trying to prey on the insecurities and vulnerabilities of women in midlife and having them spend money that potentially they don't need or that isn't going to be helpful. But certainly there are some that are really, really, really good. And I'm really, really proud of and I'm a big supporter of. So this was a little bit of a rant. I have two favorite apps that I think are wonderful examples of doing femtech right in the femtech world. And again, this is this, this is not me doing a ton of research before I sat down. This is the one that I know and I recommend to my patients. The first app is Meet Rosie, and that is by a OBGYN, Dr. Lindsay Harper. We did a podcast together many episodes back. I think it's somewhere in the 50s, and it is for women's sexual health. It is a wonderful clinician-guided, evidence-based app that they have taken extremely seriously, and I recommend to a lot of my patients struggling with a low libido or low desire. And by a lot, I mean like everyone. I'm such a big fan of Meet Rosie. And the other app that I've really found great success with my patients have liked is the Balance app. And the Balance app is by Dr. Louise Newson in the UK. We did a podcast together. I was on her show. She hasn't been on my show, but my patients use it. It's such a great tracker and also very evidence-based and clinician-guided and clinician-run. And so those are my two favorite apps. There are some products that I also really, really like. For example, I really like the Millie device. The Millie device um, has been a sponsor of the podcast, you know, maybe a few months back. The Millie device is a wonderful option for vaginismus or painful intercourse or pelvic floor spasms. It is a great option, especially uh, compared to the old... I, the, not even old, I guess, but the dilators where you had like a kit and you, you carried around all these different dilators. The Millie device is all those dilators in one. So I'm a big fan of the Millie device. And, you know, in terms of products, certainly I have products that I like that are over the counter. And when it comes to um, pres- prescription-based products, I, I'm a huge advocate of FDA-approved options only. All right, guys. Let's get into why I've titled this the last episode, kind of. So I have 
I'm going to be totally honest. I've been toying with the idea of stopping the podcast. And that is because I have a growing set of responsibilities. I now have three little ones. I have a full-time academic position where I see patients and teach and do presentations and research. And that takes up, that is my, you know, that's my job. That is the, you know, love of my life after my family. And then I also have this podcast and I have expanded that into a YouTube channel, which I've had a lot of fun with. I didn't know I loved like filming and creating videos, but I guess I do. And my website, and I've been turning these podcasts into blog posts and I'm growing my Instagram. And then like most recently started on TikTok, which I think I love TikTok as a consumer. I think it is a very fun platform. But I thought something has to give, and maybe this podcast needs to go. And I wrangled with this and wrangled with this, and I ultimately came to a different conclusion. And that is that I have decided that I'm going to put this podcast exclusively on iTunes as a monthly subscription. So I'm going to price it at $3.99 a month. And that is because the way I can continue this podcast is with your support. If I can sit down and record it and then send it to someone who can edit it and post it and do all of those things, it takes up so much less of my time and I need to free up some of my time. But stopping the podcast really, it, it, it hurt my little soul because it was my very first baby that launched me into what I am, what I've really created in my spare time. And I love this podcast and I love hearing from my, my friends or my sister or my mom that someone I didn't even know listened to it. And I want to keep this podcast going, but I need help and I need support. So I am going to put the podcast on iTunes exclusively as a monthly subscription. I hope that you can understand that if you love this show, if you've been a supporter for a long time, that helps me so much. And I'm going to do that for a while and see how that goes and see if it helps to have some support so they can continue creating these episodes for you, sitting down and recording and then having someone help me. And that is, that's where really where I've landed with that decision. It was sort of an intermediate between stopping it completely and going without any help or any support. Certainly sponsorship have been really helpful in supporting the show. But I have to say, I really choose my sponsorships very, very closely. And I reach out to the people that I want to have sponsor the show. I do not let really people reach out to me and just have anyone sponsor the show. But that is also just uber time consuming. And I love forming my those relationships with those companies. Um, but it's also just not sustainable. And so I had to think of something else. So this is going to be the last episode I do before the show goes to iTunes as a subscription. I My heart breaks for anyone who doesn't have iTunes or who uses an Android and has been listening to it on Spotify or elsewhere. Um, I, I don't have a great solution or answer yet. I know that since Apple rolled out their subscriptions for podcasts that they've also sort of wrangled with the idea that some people, people who use Androids can't really listen to iTunes and how are they going to capture that audience? So there may be something down the road. Um, but that is just really the best way I can continue making episodes for you. And if it's if it's something that I can do, I'd love to take snippets of my shows 
and make them into a blog post, but the whole episode and all of the audio and all the passion behind the words is going to now be on iTunes. So I hope that you can see me over there and I hope that you understand how I came to this decision and how I really, truly love making content for you guys. But I have a lot of hats to wear and I need support in in order to be able to continue them. So you'll find me over there on iTunes. Thank you guys so, so much. I'm gonna be filling you in on Brody filling you in on a lot more of the research and academics that I'm doing. I actually have a ton of people lined up for interviews and interviews are such a great thing to do for podcast format. They really don't make for great YouTube videos. And I've just got so many people lined up to do interviews with and to shed light and to really bring, you know, their expertise together with my expertise. And so I love doing this show. You know, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, um, but it's true. I love doing the show and I want to keep it alive. So that's where she is going to live. If there's any other updates, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at hormone.health.doc. And I do have a small Instagram page, um, which is at menopause.podcast, where I might be updating as well on the status of the show. So thank you guys for your support for nearly 90 episodes of Women's Health by Heather Hirsch here. And I can't thank you enough for all of the support and for all this podcast has launched me to create and to inspire to do. There's a lot more in the pipelines that I still can't let you guys in on yet. So be sure to follow me over on Instagram or over on YouTube. My channel is Health by Heather Hirsch. And I will... I'll spill all the beans in due time. Thank you guys so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and evening and be careful out there with your femtech choices. All right, see you next time. Bye.